Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, you lovely lot, uh, and welcome to what is now take three of this episode of Tuesday Night Jaw. Uh, it's take three because the first take I did, um, I got 20 minutes in and realised I wasn't recording. Uh, the second take, um, the audio was clipping and peaking so much that I felt like it wasn't very good. So this is take three, um, third time's a charm and all that. Uh, yes, welcome in to this edition of TNJ, uh, TNJ, which is brought to you by the Distraction Pieces Network, a tremendous network of podcasts featuring a wide variety of subjects that are interesting and engaging, as, as interesting and engaging as the people that bring you those podcasts. Uh, I myself did the actual Distraction Pieces podcast yesterday with Scroobius Pip, um, which was an absolute pleasure. And has had such guests as Charlie Brooker and Danny Boyle on it recently. And there's the awesome Say Why to Drugs podcast with Susie, who is an awesome human being and gives a very balanced and thought-out discussion on certain drugs. She's just on CBD oil, um, which is a very highly spoken about and debated subject at a minute so that episode is well worth a listen uh continue to support them and everything that's on this podcast um how to support us you can go to jimsmormon.com forward slash tnj check out all the old episodes in there you can like us and review us on wherever you get your podcasts i've been made aware as of last week when this podcast goes up itunes is a little bit slower than everywhere else uh so keep that in mind if you're over on itunes but if you're enjoying it let us know uh, what you think by, by giving us a rating and giving us a review. That would be really appreciated. Um, so this week is a Q&A episode because yesterday at time of recording uh, was my birthday. So I was down in London doing Pip's podcast and I was doing next week's podcast with someone uh, who I was really excited to get hold of while I was down in London. So I was super busy yesterday, so that's why I'm doing this one today. Uh, a podcast that has taken six hours to record um, because of stupid technical mistakes or just my stupidity. So we I asked you all to ask me a bunch of questions on Twitter. Uh, I asked for weird questions. I'm not going to lie. Some of them are pretty weird. Um, and... Uh, there is quite a lot, so I'm going to get through it. The advantage of doing this three times is I've got 
pretty much got the answer for most of them now, though I will still um and ah, no doubt, through it. Okay, first question of the podcast. What is your favourite indie gimmick from a show you've been on? Uh, and why is it Genghis Keef? That's asked by Jesse. So Genghis Keef is is a real gimmick that happened on a show. And despite doing this three times, I still can't remember what Genghis Keef was or why he exists, other than his name is absolutely amazing. Um, so it's not Genghis Keef. My choice is Urban Warrior, um, who back in the day in British wrestling... There used to be a lot of like American wrestling tribute shows where people would be like The Rock or Kurt Angle or Stone Cold Steve Austin. So naturally we had a UK Undertaker and a UK Kane. Now Urban Warrior um, used to play UK Kane, but his Urban Warrior gimmick was essentially him dressed like, was it Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker from WCW who was the trainer and Goldberg's manager? Imagine him, but with a green Kane mask on. That was Urban Warrior. Um, he's a man, he's a myth, he's a legend. I've not seen him in years. Hopefully, if you listen to this, Urban Warrior, you're doing all right. But yes, that is my favourite random indie gimmick. Though, honourable shout-out to a show that we did in Blackburn, where CJ Banks got introduced in the first match, which he won, um, which was a six to se- or a six or seven-man escape the cage match, um, which earned him the right to enter the Battle Royal slash Royal Rumble main event. Uh, he got introduced in that match as CJ Banks and then introduced in the main event as amateur wrestling champion Matt Burns. I don't know if there's a copyright on that, but uh, if there isn't, get on it, genius. Okay, Tom asks, if you could commentate or be there for any wrestling show in history, what would be your top three? Um... I excluded Japanese shows from this because um, until recently, English-speaking commentary on Japanese shows wasn't really a thing. So I think it'd be unfair to in, uh, include them. And I'm not going to give you a top three because I, I had a top three, but I just felt like I've got a top one. So the only one is I can think of is Ring of Honor Unified 2006, uh, which was held in Liverpool Olympia. Um, and it was an incredibly important show for British wrestling at that time because... Um, it was a time where we didn't have a lot of high-quality British wrestling in this, this country, so we were all very inspired by by Ring of Honor. Um, and you either kind of hated Nigel McGuinness or loved Nigel McGuinness. Now, I was a person at the time that was indifferent to Nigel McGuinness and later become a massive, massive fan of his. Um, so the main event of that show was Nigel McGuinness versus Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan um, to unify, I believe, the world title and what was their pure wrestling title, which I think they've started using the rule again recently, which is super cool because um, it was something that inspired, I know, the, the lads from Tetsujin to do the free road break uh, limit. Um, they had an incredible main event and it was a highlight of uh, what was an incredible feud. Now, this match is available on YouTube. Pretty sure it's an official Ring of Honor one as well. Uh, so go and watch it, but please be warned, there is a spot in this match which is very alarming um due to the head impact of the spot um which now we know because of concussion tests and a lot of research and uh, evidence to suggest the damage of concussions and long-term head traumas it will be distressing for some of you so i just want to let you know that there is that in it 
Um, but if that puts you off, which is completely understandable, there is a ton of Nigel McGuinness, um, Brian Danielson matches from that era that will be available and are well worth your time. So I would have loved to commentate on that match. Also, a little side caveat to that is I actually got to host a screening of Nigel McGuinness's documentary in the Liverpool Olympia many, many years afterwards. It was the first time I ever met Nigel. Um, and later on that night, he was the special guest referee for a Zach Gibson match. Um, if you've seen the Nigel McGuinness documentary on the network, you will know how much of a big fan of Nigel McGuinness Zach Gibson is. Um, they even make a joke that he stole half of his moves. Lol. Okay, next question. Um, you're forming a five-piece band. Which current wrestlers would you have and playing what instrument? Also, what's your band's name? That's from Chantel. So, five-piece band. Um, I am going to pick... Uh, I'm going on vocals because I'm... In my head, I'm Freddie Mercury, but in reality, I'm all right, said Fred. Terrible singer, but if, if we're doing a band, I'll, I'll lead it. Why not? Um, I On guitar, I will obviously have Elias. Lead guitar, that is, on a, uh, for Elias. Um, on rhythm guitar, I will have Kiss Demon from um, WCW. Um, uh, on bass... Ooh, who shall I have on bass? On bass, I will have Jimmy Hart, the man for the South the man that wrote the majority of the theme songs. Um, is that free? That's free, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's... F- one, two, that's free. Great. You can tell how much my brain's ruined here. Um, on backing vocals, I will have Glenn Joseph, um, star of The Body musical for many, many years. And then on tambourine, I will have James Drake, because he is not to be trusted with anything else. Um, band name. Band name. Um, ooh, that's actually a really good question. I should have thought of this. I had a different answer for the last two times I recorded this. Um, um, boys to men. We'll, we'll just put a different two in the middle of it. Please don't come for me, Stokely Hathaway, for referencing boys to men. Um, okay. Next question from James. Um, strapping for this because there is a few football manager questions and I apologise. Um, Favourite niche football manager player and team managed? Uh, okay, so the team managed is Gwangju Samju, I think. Um, they're a South Korean team that on Football Manager 2010, when you started the game with them, because uh, you start in the 09 10 season um when you started the game with them every single player in the team had their contract run out at the end of the 2010 2011 season um and you couldn't resign them or keep them on um which is really peculiar and i, I looked into it and what what had actually happened was guangzhou as a team were being um merged with another team in the South Korean league so they ceased to exist in the at the end of the 2010 2011 season so football managers way of dealing with it was by basically getting rid of you, all your players on 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 your team um so you had to basically rebuild your team from scratch now i didn't get past the point of where all the contracts ran out so my question to anyone that's listening to this is if you still got fm10 
which I do, I might actually do this, why am I asking other people to do it, what a lazy person I am, is I want to know what happens after that season, Um, I feel like that's a good niche team, niche player is either Mats Ritz, who was a Belgian player in 2010, he was about 15, played for Anderlecht at the time, um, who plays in the Belgian league in real life now, he was like a worldie if you trained him right, Um, is there anyone else that comes up? up to mind I like Ham- Henry Survey who is a player that, that played for Bordeaux on 2010 he was a really pacey winger and again if you trained him right he was belting like as a forward but in real life he was a defensive midfielder and wasn't very good did he go to Arse- um, Newcastle during that period of time where everyone Newcastle signed half the league earned he might have done. Anyway, it'd be a choice between them two. Um, awesome. Thank you for that question. Uh, Jim Taylor asks, you're put in charge of remaking your favourite team with the caveat that all the principal characters are played by independent wrestlers. What's the film and who plays who? Um, so as, uh, I don't have so many favourite films that I can't really pick one, but I have a film that I think I could cast well for. So original Die Hard. Zach Gibson is John McClane. Mrs. McClane is naturally James Drake. Um, Alan Rickman's villain, who I believe is called Hans, who leads the terrorist group, will be played by Spike Trevay. Um, the character that says the line, Hans, Bubba, who tries to negotiate a deal and then gets shot in the head, would be played by professional actor Glenn Joseph. And then, you know, the two bad guys, so they've got henchmen, right? And there's two bad guys and the brothers. And one of them's like super nerdy and he's got the specs on and he's like a hacker. And then he's got like a brutish older brother who just shoots cables instead of like doing it the right way. Well, the nerdy one gets killed by John McClane. The big henchman guy goes after John McClane and wants revenge. Ultimately, spoilers for a very old movie, ultimately comes up short. So the brutish older brother is Volta in a blonde wig. And the geeky younger brother is Elia Dragunov. Um, Hollywood, let me know. I'll give you my number. We'll sort it out. What a remake it would be like. That episode of Always Sunny where they remake or make the other lethal weapon. Brilliant. Um, Alan the Rogue, Rogi, asks, can I borrow a tenner? No. Um, um, Oh, yes, this is this bit. Um, So... Lewis has asked me a couple of questions. Um, he first asks me um, free wrestlers to help me survive a zombie apocalypse, um, a healer, a. Um, let's start again. Free wrestlers to help me survive a zombie apocalypse, a healer, a practical mind, and a shield. Okay, so my healer would be Dr. Death Steve Williams because he's a qualified doctor, obviously, and could lariat off the heads of many a zombie. Uh, My practical mind would be the genius Lanny Poffo because he's the smartest man in professional wrestling. And my shield would obviously be Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Roman Reigns. Ba-dum-dum-ts. dum um, tss Lewis also asks me another question. And that question is a question I get quite a lot, which is, um, Snog, Marry, Kill, John, 
Jim and Glenn. Um, someone also asked me um, Snog, Mario, Void, Kenta Kabashi, Minaro Suzuki, and Stan Hansen. I believe that is Chris. Um, Chris, just to let you know, Timothy Thatcher is still stood behind you. Okay, so Snog, Mary, Kill. Um, I'd s- oh, sorry, Shag, Mary, Kill. Um, I'd Shag Glenn, definitely. I'd marry John because you can turn him off at night while he recharges his Android batteries. And I'd absolutely kill Jim's Mormon, which is probably going to haunt me as a quote as someone cuts that and puts it on the internet. Snog, Mary, Avoid. I'd snog 90s Minaro Suzuki because he was a beautiful man. I'd marry Kenta Kabashi because he's a father figure to a lot of wrestlers and I'm kind of getting that maternal vibe off him. So definitely marry him and I'd avoid Stan Hansen like many Japanese fans did over the years. I came running at them with a bull rope and a bell. Um, Good, good questions. Thank you. Um, Neil asks me, um, any celebrity you would love to book an angle with? Right. Does anyone else out there think this question reminds them of of EWR, Extreme Warfare Revenge, the text-based wrestling booking game that took the internet by storm in the early years of the internet wrestling community? Because there was a bit to like, if you never played the game, you can still download it. It's free. Um, Cheers, Adam Ryland, you big ledge for making an awesome game that has stood the test of time. Um, So in that, you basically take over a promotion you book their shows and you run the whole of the company um but you could book you could book angles interviews and matches and one of the angles was you could have a wrestler which you usually put as a heel because you know um interact with a celebrity and the game would randomly generate someone sat at ringside um and that would be the thing so that question really made me think of that but slightly topical Justin Bieber has been calling Tom Cruise out for an MMA fight at the minute so I think if Justin Bieber wants to go around um, calling people out for an MMA fight we're going to have I'm going to book a Pancrase rules match with the man that I would snog from earlier Monaro Suzuki and I would not clue Monaro Suzuki into it being Um, a wrestling match and just tell him it's an MMA fight you're welcome Justin Bieber for that one Um, Barack asks um, a really good question actually Um, if two guy of Blackburn Rovers fame were to be a wrestler who would he be and what would his finishing move be Um, so I think I answered this on a podcast recently might have even been the one I did with Jim Um, I used to support Blackburn Rovers um, but then the club got sold uh, and I stuck around for a bit and the club really changed and it really upset me and I stopped supporting them. Um, nothing to do with on-field because um, Blackburn have never been a really good team. Well, not since 1994 um, and it's nothing to do with that. Uh, I just really loved the club and I felt like it lost what it was. Um, so I stopped supporting them. But that means I got to watch a lot of Two Guy because I used to go and watch them play. And Two Guy was an absolute hero at Ewood Park and still is. Um, so anyone that doesn't know who Two Guy is, he is a Turkish football player, now retired Turkish football player, who played for Batman for a while and had very majestic hair and did incredible things on the football pitch. So I would have Two Guy as my Playboy-esque 
like like a Gino Hernandez-esque playboy with that dark side to him. So, you know, he'd be in like pastel suit jackets and he'd be on yachts and driving his Ferrari. But then when he got in the ring, there was a little bit of darkness to him. There was something a bit violent about him. Maybe a little bit Patrick Bateman-esque. Um, and his finisher would be the FK, which would be stand for free, free kick if anyone's a Shibata fan. And it would be him punting his opponent's head off their shoulders for about 40 yards while the head had absolutely no spin on it at all. Now, if you don't get that reference, go to YouTube and type in Two Guy Volleys and watch that man volley a football. Unreal. Um, brilliant question. Um, Wayne asks, have you always been gluten intolerant? Uh, if not, uh, which gluten-based product do you miss the most? Also, what gluten-based product would make the best weapon in a deathmatch? Um, I've not always been gluten intolerant. Uh, it was around about 25 when it kicked in for me. Um, and it was only really 26 when I did something about it because I was in denial. Um, but yeah, it made me very, 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 very ill. Um, I'm very fortunate that I don't have very serious symptoms. I know people that have gluten intolerances or are celiac have things like their hair falling out or their nails falling out and horrible, horrible stuff. Luckily, I just have a very severe reaction to it and become incredibly ill. Um, the only gluten-based product I really miss is real pizza. Because um, most gluten-free pizzas are the concept of pizza. Like, it's the idea of pizza. And you can kind of, like, get away with it if you've got enough cheese on there and enough good toppings. But... It's never quite the same. With that said, I went to Amsterdam last year, um, which was amazing. Um, and we we found a completely gluten-free and vegan Italian pizzeria in Amsterdam. And the owners are Italian and they're an Italian family that have got a family-run business. But everything on their menu is completely gluten-free. And uh, I'm pretty sure it's either veggie or vegetarian, um, vegan. And it was absolutely incredible. It's probably the best pizza I have ever eaten in my life. And it's the only place, as far as I know, that does pizzas. So if you live in Amsterdam or you're going to Amsterdam, um, type in gluten-free vegan pizzas. It's like, I can't think of the names. It's something beginning with M. It might be Martino's or something like that. Anyway, find it and go and eat it because it's the bloody best pizza I've ever had in my life regardless if you're gluten intolerant or not as for the weapon in the death match, a board of sharpened breadsticks would be my choice because they would do some serious damage um, okay next question Charlie asks if you had to invite five people, past or present um, to a dinner party who would they be and what would you serve so, I was really struggling to answer this question because it's it's five people's a lot. Um, so I've decided that I would invite that group of Greek philosophers like Homer, Socrates, and that, that lot. I'd bring them back from the dead. It'd be kind of like a really low-budget Bill and Ted, but instead of like going on a, a journey through time and becoming the wild stallions in a phone box... We'd all just sit down and I'd ask them to tell me their feces and feces. Wow, that is a Freudian slip. Um, that is a definite, definite, <laughs> it's 
definitely a different thing than what I intended. Um, telling me their philosophies and giving me eyewitness accounts of several historical moments. Um, as for food, I'd serve them whatever they want. Um, yeah, I, whatever. If you come into my house for a dinner party at any point, um, just let me know and I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll see if I can cook it up. But yeah, I'd like to learn the Greek classics from the actual people that were there. Okay, Darren. Um, Darren, who is lovable, cockney, um, progress merchandise man, um, who said to me he'll be listening to this podcast while in a bath. So enjoy your deep, deep bath, Darren. Alan Partridge reference there for you. Um, he's asked me a couple of questions. So he first asked who my favourite NWA era tag team is. Um, I answered this on the first ever live Tuesday Night Jaw um, when I asked who my favourite tag team of all time is and I answered Tolly, Blanchard and Arn Anderson. Um, Chance Evan was in the crowd that night and scoffed at me um, and said that that wasn't true. Um, there was a little bit of a back and forth. So I just changed my answer to the Hardy Boys because I couldn't be bothered arguing with Trent Seven. Um, but legitimately, Tully and Arn are one of my favourite tag teams of all time, mainly because they make the people they wrestle really, really good. Um, so that's my favourite NWA era tag team. Um, Darren also asks, what was the first wrestling you saw on TV, and what was the first wrestling you saw in person? So the first wrestling they ever saw in person was actually a promotion called GPW, which is based in Wigan, or Hindley in Wigan, I should be more accurate, um, which is a place that I actually trained at that's where i started training uh it's a promotion that's still running to this day um and me and cj banks who's a wrestler um that's where we first started training so we'd gone down to a couple of sessions and then we'd actually gone along to one of their big shows um to see what it was like um and needless to say we never looked back and 15 to 16 years later we're still in wrestling so that was the first wrestling they ever saw live i did see a wwe house show not long after that which had Ultimo Dragon and Billy Kidman as the team, and that's the only thing I remember from it. So that was a that was my first ever WWE show. Um, first first wrestling I ever saw on TV. I've, I've mentioned this before, but I came into wrestling really, 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 really late. So like late nineties, early two thousands, really when I first started rest, like watching wrestling, and then. 2003 2004 was when I actually started to train so I didn't consume a lot of wrestling really in comparison to people who have been lifelong fans so me and Banks um, again um, who I got into wrestling with we I used to go to his over the weekends and have a little sleepover his dad would cook us a barbecue and we watched WCW which was when it turned into TNT, didn't it? I can't remember what the channel was. Let me know what the channel was. It was like a kid's channel, and then after a certain hour, it turned to TNT, and they'd show Monday Night Nitro. Uh, Monday Night Nitro. Um, and we used to watch that religiously. So we used to watch a bit of WWF as well, but um, I always remember WCW more. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but yeah, it would have been WCW would have been the first, and then um, I would have got into wrestling more and more from there. Awesome. Right, another football manager question because everyone knows what I'm into 
Um, what is the best version of Football Manager slash Champ Man and why? For me, it's Championship Manager 97-98. You could get World Clash to regens on free transfers and they would instantly make a difference. That's from Carl. Um, so my favourite Champ Man was 0102 because it was the first one that I got really, really obsessed with. And also it's kind of cool because me and my dad both got into the game. Like my dad was super obsessed with that game. You always used to go Carlisle or a League 2 or League 3 French team. Um, and because I was a child, I would probably just go like Arsenal or something like that. Though I did quite like being Ajax on those games, which which stayed with me for, throughout the years. So that's the first one I really remember. Because I remember like going into school and talking about it and then like telling each other about certain players and yada, yada, yada. And that was really cool. But my favourite version is Football Manager 2010. Um, so I got horrendously addicted to it. I absolutely grossly exaggerated how many hours I played on Pip's podcast. So if you listen to this and then Pip's podcast, because this comes out first and then Pip's podcast comes out the week or two after, I say like 40-something thousand hours. That's not right. I checked on my actual Steam today and I played 4,552 hours on Football Manager 2010, which is still very, very sad. Um, but I always, I think FM10 is the one that clicked for a lot of people. So there is a comedian who's now my friend, which is an awesome thing because he is a tremendous person uh, called Tony Jameson, who you guys might have heard of because he had a football manager stand-up show, which is really, really wicked. Um, and that's how I became aware of Tony because Tony was in the football manager documentary and he was featured in the football manager book that was written by a really good um, football writer called Ian McIntosh. Um, and Tony got notorious because he did 50 years in-game with Blythe Spartans, Uh, and during Tony's stand-up show, he broke down the amount of hours he's put into the game and what he could have achieved if he put them hours into something else. Um, I think, Tony will probably correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure he could have got a master's degree within the amount of hours he played that game. Hard same, Tony. Hard same. Um, All right, next question. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So Hogan, not that one, a far better one, uh, has asked me three questions, um, and I'm including all three because I liked all three of them. Um, Okay, so the first question is, as a Panic at the Disco fan, what do you make of Pretty Odd? It's pretty divisive, but I think it's ace. So Pretty Odd is the second Panic at the Disco album um, that I hated because I was a horrible little scene kid at the time and adored the first album so much that I was furious that they would dare to do something different. Um, I now realise I'm wrong because I've recently seen Panic! at Disco and I still love them to this day and I love, for instance, Death of a Bachelor um, as well as other albums. Um, But I still have never gone back and listened to Pretty Odd because it's just kind of this, I don't know, I don't know if I'm ready to accept it all these years after it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say I need to give it a listen. Maybe I will. Who knows? Um, I'm sorry, Brendan Yuri, if you're listening to this. I love you. You're a, you're a good egg. Um, but, yes, that album wasn't for me. Okay, so Hogan's second question. Who's been the best hip-hop artist you've come across this year? So, as well as being a dirty little scene kid for a while... I'm super into my hip-hop and R&B. Um, so, 
there's not many new hip hop artists that I've been really excited about uh, this year, but um, Dreamville, which is J Cole's record label, have just released a like collaboration album which they recorded in twelve days. They locked themselves away in this studio that had like loads of different studios dotted around. Everyone on the on the record label was there, as well as certain producers, and then invited guests, and they recorded this incredible like collaboration album um, in in twelve days. Uh, there's actually a video on YouTube if you search for it. If you, I think it's like if you search for Dreamville, um, it's there. It's about thirty minutes, and it's a really fascinating watch. But there's a kid on Dreamville called now. I thought he was called J I D because it's spelled J dot I dot D. But everyone on that documentary refers to him as Jid. Um, and he is super fascinating. He's got a alb. He's got a few albums out. There's one. I think. I think it's. I think it's called DiCaprio Two. Is the one that I've been really, really listening to. I'm really bad with like album names. It's bad, isn't it? Um, but that's really good. And his songs on that Dreamville album are like really, really cool. So he's probably the only one that really sticks out to me. Um, a lot of the stuff I've been listening to this year has been more like neo soul and R and B. Um, so yeah, I've not really had anyone hip hop wise that's that stood out new to me anyway. Um, and Hogan's final question: uh, getting back on wrestling because after all, this is a wrestling podcast. Um, wrestling wise, the most underrated match this year, UK or non UK? And then Hogan apologizes for being greedy. It's fine because they were all good questions. So, underrated match to me is a weird sentence at the minute because I think it's the polar opposite. I think that everyone's being rated at the minute. And that's really cool because everyone's getting really excited about certain matches. So off time of recording, this is 10th of July, 2019. Um, over the weekend, Cara Noir versus Pac happened at Riptide. And Cara Noir is often described as one of the most underrated wrestlers in this country. And to a degree, I, I, um, to a degree, I agree because I don't think he's in as many places as he should be because he's phenomenally talented. But that match is certainly not underrated because there's so much buzz about it. And Cara Noir is certainly no longer underrated because some very, very knowledgeable people about wrestling certainly rate him. So I don't necessarily know if there's underrated matches. There's underwatch matches that need more eyes on them. And there is a million of them and it's really hard to pick. Um, I just can't say enough about supporting smaller independent promotions in this in this country especially if you if you if you go to a show and you see a wrestler that you like and you think a they're ace make sure you go and find out where they work regularly and go and check out their promotion um the other week on twitter i asked people about matches that i might have missed and loads of people gave me really cool suggestions and one of those suggestions was ojmo versus pack which I've watched and it's awesome. Um, and, and as well as things like Danny Luna versus Mark Davis um, from Attack. And Danny Luna is awesome. She's going to absolutely kill it and she's super new already. So just go out and support it. Another one I got recommended was Michael May against Jonathan Gresham. Um, and Michael May is someone that I've really liked what I've seen um, of recently. So I'm really excited to watch that one. I just need to find the time to watch it. Uh, and the More Than Hype boys... Um, who came over for the Progress Weekender, um, LJ Cleary, Nathan Martin, and Darren Kearney. I feel like it's Kearney. Someone's going to correct me. I'm really, really, really sorry if I've been mispronouncing that. Oh, that's really bad. 
Um, they're awesome. Um, and I've seen a lot of their stuff from OTT because um, Session Moff Martinez has been on about them. Scotty Davis has been on about them. Jordan Devlin has been on about them. And it was really, really cool to get them to see them up close and personal. And they're really nice lads as well. So just go out there and make all these underrated matches proper rated. And let's get a get a thing going uh, and support this this amazing scene. All right, next question. Why drop the tailor in your name? If it was up to me, your performing name would be Mr. Caillou Caillou Richards Taylor Matt Durafin, um, which is a reference to Naiko Tanazaki's old name in Dragon Gate because there was a whole storyline where someone stole his name and then someone else gave him a name. It's crazy. I probably mispronounced loads of stuff in that name as well. Excellent reference, though. Um, so the reason why I stopped calling myself Matt Taylor Richards... Well, the reason I used to call myself Matt Taylor Richards was Matt Taylor was my wrestling name for um, the last sort of part of my career. Um, so when I originally started calling myself Matt Taylor Richards, it was a bit of a nod to, um, you know, like when I used to wrestle. But recently I've just found it a little bit too wordy. Um, so I kind of just ended up dropping it. I occasionally use it sometimes. Um, but it's kind of a loose middle name <laughs> at this point. So, yeah, you can just call me Matt Richards at this point. Um, though people really do like abbreviating it to MTR, which just make, makes me think of Ryan Seacrest and Seacrest out. Yeah. Right, another football-based question um, from Andrew. So Andrew is a, um, a a mate who comes to shows now. Um, but Andrew used to run a website called French Football Weekly, which is an English-speaking French football website. Who got? <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I've just been, I've just been snacking on some crisps, and I think I've got a bit of a dry throat. Um, yeah, French Football Weekly, which is an English-speaking um, French football website. So they cover Ligue 1, Ligue 2. They cover the national team. They also awesomely cover uh, French female football or French women's football um, they've done stuff for the World Cup recently but they, they also cover um, Lyon's women's team as well as Montpellier and they cover that league um, they do awesome work there's so many talented writers and stuff um, and I used to be part of that team long 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 time ago um, and they always they all I always want to give them a little bit of a shout out and stuff like that so if you if you are interested in football which sometimes a lot of people are on this podcast um, French Football Weekly find them on Twitter uh, especially if you support Arsenal, um, you'll find out who you're signing <laughs> way before everyone else. So go and check them out. Right, Andrew's question is, uh, my favourite Leon player in the last 10 years and the favourite goal scored by said player? So I mentioned that I used to support Blackburn Rovers. I also support Leon, who are my team now, and it's because I used to write about French football. When I fell out of love with Blackburn, I fell in love with Leon because of the way the clubs run. So the club is predominantly an academy club. So the majority of our first team will have come through our academy because Ligue 1 is a selling league. So you usually get to a point where a player is, uh, for instance, Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard got to 21 and was a phenomenal player and had already won the league with Lille and then moved to Chelsea and now he's moved moved on from there. So um, Lyon became a club that I really liked because of the way they were run. So probably my favourite player in the last 10 years is actually Anthony Lopez, who's our goalkeeper, who came from our academy. And I think he's French with Portuguese descent, or he's Portuguese with French descent. Anyway, he plays for Portugal. 
Um, and he's amazing. He's a really, really good goalkeeper and came in not long after we sold Hugo Lloris, who was another academy player or at least a young player that came through our team and was sold on. So he's an amazing goalkeeper who I get really, really worried about that someone's got to go and pick up and sign at some point. So obviously he's not scored. <laughs> um, so my favourite goal scored in the last 10 years was Samuel Ntiti against Tottenham Hotspurs in the Champions League, which is really funny because people started thinking that Untiti was some like left back that scored absolute screamers in reality he was a centre back with a really good left foot so he plays for Barcelona now so there you go um, there's that part of French football talk on a wrestling podcast, I'm sorry Pip um, talking of football here's another football manager question um, was your hiring for this role done in the style of a interview process through Football Manager 2019. Eddie Sideburns asked me that one. Eddie, your big ledge. Uh, yes, it was. Um, I went for the exact interview process. And then on the official um, press conference, on the announcement, I called myself the special one. Good. Um, <laughs> this is a good question. How much do you love Pony by the R&B singer genuine tristan asked me that i bloody love that song um because as as previously stated i am really into my r&b and you think oh r&b that's cool matt you how current and trendy you are despite being 31 years old now let me stop you there i like really bad late 90s early 2000s r&b and i started liking pony as a song as a bit of a like, wee, a bit of a joke, you know. So you know when like, you, you, when you're a kid and your mum put eighty songs on and you jokingly sung along and whatever. Yeah, that kind of happened with that song, and then became one of my favourite songs in the world ever. So if you are ever at a show or at a a after party after a show and you want to see some of the worst dancing in the world ever, let me have a couple of beers in me and then play that song. Um, because I absolutely love it. God bless Genuine. And the thing is, Genuine's not just got that one banger. Get on Spotify, kids, and check out R&B sensation Genuine. Another football question. What a shock. Um, from Simon, who asks, Pavel Chernicek or Shaka Hislop for your 90s um, football dream team? So they were both uh, Newcastle goalkeepers of the 90s. Um I'm going to choose Shaka Hislop because there is a story for the reason why. So I don't know if anyone used to collect them Corinthian big head figures back in the day. So they were like little football figures and they had massive heads um, and they were like a collector's thing. Well, I used to be really obsessed with them when I was a kid. Um, and for some reason, I just loved Shaka Hislop. I don't know why, I don't know where it came from, but it turns out that he was like one of the most rarest and elusive figurines to get hold of. And we couldn't find him anywhere. So at the time, my dad went to work up in Newcastle. Um, and we were like, oh, surely if if this figure's going to be anywhere, it's going to be in Newcastle. Um, because that's where he was playing at the time. Sorry, I'm just going to let the police go past there. <laughs> so yeah, so my dad goes on this trip and he can't find him. But weirdly, on the way back from that trip, my dad stopped off in Liverpool. And that's where he found this Shaka Hislop little figurine, which became like my favourite figurine in the whole world. Because... He just became this really, really elusive, rare figurine. So I think I've still got him somewhere. I think he's in my dad's garage. Um, garage? A garage. Not American. Um, 
with a load of other ones. I, I had a Dennis Bergkamp one that I hated. Um, so weirdly hated Dennis Bergkamp for years. And then he scored that goal against Argentina and all was forgiven. So um, I was a chubby kid in school and some girls used to call me Mr. Tub Tubs. Sad face. Did you have any nicknames in school? That question is from professional wrestler Kevin Lloyd, who used to be known as Sexy Kev. Um, if you don't know who Kevin Lloyd is, just Google him. Google him right now, Kevin Lloyd Wrestler, and look at the 70,000 abs that he now has. That is a cruel, cruel things for people in school, but he is doing really, really well. And he's also a fantastic wrestler and a very, very talented MMA. Um, if you are a child and you are listening to this, first of all, make better life choices than listening to this podcast. It's full of profanity and nonsense. Get studying. Secondly, if you're in school, don't bully people. That's really bad. Stop being a bad person. Uh, nicknames. Sorry, went off on a tangent then. Um, nicknames. Uh, I didn't really have any in school. I used to be called Welsh quite a lot because I'm from Murphy Tidville, despite the accent. And it kind of, everyone kind of found out. So they just used to call me Welsh, which was really original. But my first real nickname that I didn't want was in wrestling when I was training. So I started training literally just after I turned 15. And there was a training session where we did a lot of cardio and a lot of like boot campy stuff. Um, <laughs> and I got in the ring um, and I was bumping. And during one bumps, I bumped, rolled to the side of the ring, threw up and carried on bumping. And from then on, for at least a good year and a half, I was called Sick Boy. Um, so there you go. Yeah. Good times. Um, another music question. This time from Neil Pike. Um, what is my favourite emo album, both from the first wave and the second wave? And what's my favourite post-hardcore album? Um, my favourite emo, emo album is either Saves the Day, Stay What You Are, I think it's called, and Take Him Back Sunday, Tell All Your Friends, who have just recently done a tour. Now they played the whole of that album, and it's probably about 15 years old now. So yeah, um, that's the album that has Cute Without the E on, which is now Carlos Romo's cutter it's carlos roma's cutter is called cutter without the e um because we were talking emo over twitter and it came up at that point and it became a name for his move which i really really like and i love calling it every time i do it so yeah saves the day taking about sunday i didn't know there was a second wave of emo so <laughs> sorry about that um i just thought it was all one big wave but hey ho um and i, I never i don't know what post hardcore is I've never quite got that. I know what hardcore is, but I don't know what post-hardcore is. Like, 100 Reasons, are they post-hardcore? Like, I never quite got genres. They just I just kind of liked scene music, I guess, is what you would call it. But, like, I was really into my hardcore and my metal as well at one point. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what post-hardcore is. Tell me. Answers on a postcard. Um, okay, um, we have got quite a few questions to go, um, and we have a really good question. This is one that I still haven't figured out, um, but I might pass over to you people because you're far more intelligent than me uh, and know how to use the internet. Um, Lady J asks, how many currently active wrestlers have you wrestled slash tagged with, commentated on, and introduced as a ring announcer? Um... It's it's not as many as you think, but it's more than you think as well. So I can think of two significant people off the top of my head, which would be Zach Gibson, because I was actually team captain of a team 
that featured Zach on his Future Shock debut, and I have commentated and introduced Gibson. Uh, and the other one will be Jack Gallagher because there was a two, a one to year two, uh, a one to two year period where I wrestled Jack and um, World of Sports creator pretty much every weekend. And I've also commentated on Jack, and I've also introduced him as a ring announcer. I think I'm right in saying this. I might be the only person who's introduced a WWE United Kingdom match and commentated on a WWE United Kingdom match. I could be wrong on that. Um, I also think I might be one of the only people who's ever introduced the Open the Dreamgate champion and commentated on a match featuring the Open the Dreamgate champion. Now, I could be really wrong with that, but I've definitely done those things and I'm really grateful for that because that's super cool and like, I'm a super, super lucky guy to do that. Um, but if you want to figure out how many active wrestlers have, have wrestled, commentated, and ring announced on, go on Cage Match and, and figure it out because I've just not got round to it. So, yeah, hopefully that's a cool answer and there's some cool little tidbits in that. Um, Avers asks me, who is your favourite wrestler and why is it Big Guns Joe? Um, it's because he's he's just so massive. He's Ench. Um, if you've never heard of Big Guns Joe, he is a wrestler that's it's still fairly new in the Manchester Northwest scene. Who wrestles for Future Shock, GPW, Tidal, Breed up in Sheffield, loads and loads of paces, um, and he is the biggest, most henchest man there is. Um, he might look like he's very far away from you, but that's just um, that's just the angle that you're looking at him. He is definitely a, um, a big henchman. Um, he's ace. Go and check him out. Um, if you don't know who that is, cheers, Avers. Um, what is the saddest single line in a song with no context? Adam asks. Um, it's gruesome that someone so handsome should care. There you go. Um, Reese is the next person that's asking the question, and this is my favourite question because a, it's a great bloody question, and b, it's so well written. So hopefully, I do it justice. Um, he says, "This is Reese." Grant Holt recently was put into a match surrounded by veteran wrestlers and held his own. If you were to put any wrestler into the early 2000s Real Madrid starting lineup, who would do the best job and where would they play? 10 on 10, Reese. Great question. Um, Grant Holt did recently make his wrestling debut in Norwich. What a hero. Um, so early 2000s Real Madrid teams, so that's like Galactico era Real Madrid. So in, in, in wrestling, for a long time, there was people that didn't even like football. Now we've got a bunch of people that actually gave up a football and career to be wrestlers. Um, Jordan Devlin, I'm led to believe, is a very, very good professional re- uh, professional wrestler. He is a very, very good professional wrestler. I mean, you guys know that already. Um, but he's apparently a very good footballer. CJ Banks, who I've mentioned a lot on this podcast, he's my mate. I play football with him. He was a very, very good footballer. But I'm going to pick Ashton Smith because Ashton Smith actually gave up football for wrestling. So he must have been really, really good to do that. Um, so Ashton Smith's my pick. And he would have fit in with like that Jonathan Woodgate, Steve McManaman, 
Michael Owen era of the Galacticos where they were signing up good English players. So I'd probably stick him on a wing. Um, but he's got a bit of pace, hasn't he? And, he? and he quite likes, he's a United supporter and he's quite a fan of Cantona and Ronaldo. So I reckon he'd be a good attack. He'd be good. He'd be a good forward, maybe cutting in off the wing. So yeah, that's that's my pick for that. Uh, okay, next question from DJ: What footballers would you choose to be in your Survivor Series traditional tag team? So that's five people, isn't it? Right. Let's just name random footballers off the top of my head: Yuri Jorkaev, JJ Okocha, um Let's think, Marcel Desailly, Christophe Dugarry, and Diego Forlan. There you go. No fault, just named footballers. They, I like the way that two of them play for Bolton Wanderers as well. Good. Um, talking of good questions, um, hi Matt, or hey Matt, it's Chris here. Hello Chris. Um, if you were in a fight, like in the old martial arts movies, and you had to choose one weapon, which of these objects would you choose? going to stop there little side point i'm a massive kung fu fan like legitimately love old kung fu movies they're the best i love the raid i love john wick as well they've got that modern twist on it i'm a big 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 fan of like kung fu movies so chris you're a ledge for asking me this right so i've got to pick one of the four weapons i can either pick a yo-yo 17 shoe laces the sweets tied together oh okay a dukes of hazard lunchbox or a hairbrush covered in jam so I was tempted to use the the, the shoelace sweets because you can like, do you ever do that thing in a kid where like they're on the, the elastic and you used to like bite half of it and then you ping it at your mate's head in school. I did that. I went to a rough school, but whatever. Um, but I'm going to go with a yo-yo because I'm thinking if you've watched Kill Bill Volume 1, there's the bad guy, isn't there, who's like friends with the crazy 88 called Go-Go and she's got like that mace ball um, that's like proper deadly. And I'm thinking with a yo-yo, you can make like an 80s slash 90s kung fu movie with loads of product placement for yo-yos. And I'd be like the yo-yo master and my, my partner would be MC Hammer. And we'd have dance breaks while I'm like beating up loads of dudes with yo-yos. Um, there you go. Um, if you're a filmmaker, uh, you can drop me a DM and we'll make that film. That sounds really, really good. Right, um, next question is asked by Daz, and he asks, what is the best wrestling t-shirt you own now, and what has been your favourite of all time? Uh, I really like my Four Pillars All Japan t-shirt. So it's a Four Pillars t-shirt in the style of Black Flags uh, t-shirt, and I love that one. And I love my Wing Kanemura t-shirt, um, which is like a long sleeve one with like this super cool image on the background. You've probably seen me wear it at a Fight Club Pro Show. Um, they're my two favourite at the minute. Um, I basically live in wrestling t-shirts because basically because of progress um, and then my mates being a bunch of wrestlers, especially James Drake. I always get loads of t-shirts, so that's handy. Um, my favourite t-shirt of all time. Okay, so I, I actually had to think about this. Do you remember them jerseys that WWF used to do? Um, like in the early 2000s, like Jericho had one that was like a hockey jersey. I always wanted a DX one of them. Um, and CJ Banks, again, childhood friend and wrestler, had a NWO one that I was really jealous of and it was super cool. And now I look back on it and I was like, oh man, that was super lame. Like, I'm not seven foot like Kevin Nash and I can't pull it off. But I always want, wanted like a proper old school like hockey jersey that that was was in the style of a wrestling 
wrestler type thing. So yeah, I reckon that would be one of them. All right, so usually we just dump a break in the middle of this podcast, um, but because I've got questions and I have an idea how long this is going to run, we'll be back after these advertisements. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, I know that a lot of people have said in the past that they, they hate when we're in mid-conversation and then there'll just be a random break. So this week has given me a really good opportunity to, to find a place <laughs> where I can stick in the break. So um, yeah, hopefully that helps a little bit. Um, right, we've got a few questions left. Uh, I'm just going to make sure I scroll down so I'm not missing any. Uh, where are we up to? Yeah, there we are. Right, Daniel asks, actually quite an interesting question. Daniel asks, where did you get your wrestling gear? Did you go for fittings or just order from a catalogue? That's a really good question. So I've not ordered wrestling gear in eight years because, you know. Um, so, <laughs> funny story. The first gear I ever ordered and paid astronomical amounts for was Plever shorts, because, of course, it was Plever, um, from former ECW wrestler EZ Money, who was a wrestling maker, um, wrestle gear, wrestling gear maker, um, when I was when I was wrestling, and I ordered these 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 plevers that took nearly a year to come, and I paid loads of money for them. And when they came, they were super naff, and I was already phasing out that gimmick. So, yeah, I've never forgiven Easy Money for that. Cheers for that, mate. Um, my first ever set of wrestling gear was actually given to me by Chris Travis. Um, because Chris and Spud and Liggs would come in when we were first getting on shows and we thought they were the coolest people in the world and Trav used to always wear like these baggy pants that we wanted to have um, and Chris actually gave me a pair of these bright orange um, wrestling trousers as my first gear so I always like really treasure them I've still got them somewhere because um, because obviously Trav's a mate and, and that was super cool and like I think that's like the coolest thing in the world ever and there's still stories um, I'm 
James Drake's brother is going to be debuting soon on a show. Um, and, and JD's giving him a pair of his old boots. And I love that. I think there's something really like important about passing things down and, and it having history and, and um, especially if, it, if, if you know someone in the same family. So that's a really nice little thing. In terms of making gear, so the way you do it, um, or used to do it, is you take certain measurements around certain parts of your body, you send it to a gear maker and then they make it for you. Um, now, because there's so many people that make gear, you can actually have readjustments and, and fittings a little bit easier. Um, my my favourite person that makes gear, um, honourable shout out to Shida, um, who make a lot of CCK's gear, um, gear. Um, Travis Banks, etc, etc, uh, which is relatively new, but it, they do them amazing work so she's awesome but the one that i love the most because i've actually got a pair of pliers that she did for me is airhead diva who made james uh, james drake and zach gibson's takeover gear and they've made a few different parts of their gear uh, she's incredible she's making wrestling gear for as long as i've been in wrestling so 16 years plus um she doesn't just make wrestling gear as well she makes it a little bit different uh, and i really really like her so if you are a young wrestler that wants some really really high quality cool gear it might be a bit pricey i don't know i've not ordered gear in eight years um but i really really me- recommend airhead diva if you want some really cool stuff if not there's loads and loads of cool people that are making gear at the minute so make sure you just ask around and get involved with that Okay, Andy has got the next question. This is a really important question because it's something that I really wanted to address. So the question is, if you could recommend any five G1 matches from the last 10 years that aren't (laughs) Ishii versus versus Shibata, what would they be? Um, That's a bit of a callback to Jim Smallman loving um, Ishii and Shibata because they are amazing wrestlers. So I've been asked as well on Twitter recently if I'm covering the G1. So I will not be covering the G1 and I don't feel comfortable recommending G1 matches. And here's the thing. I know I have this reputation on this podcast as being a Japanese wrestling expert, but that is a real misleading and misguided bit of information. Chris and Jim just used to say that because I like particular types of Japanese wrestling, mainly Dragon Gate slash Toramon and All Japan slash Noah. I have never, I would never class myself as a New Japan expert I would class myself as a fan of New Japan, but I only watch sporadically and I have certainly not watched enough in the last 10 years to give you an educated opinion. Um, so I will not be covering the G1. And and this is where I stand on it. It's not that I don't love their product. Their product's amazing. For instance, I watched Shingo versus Osprey recently and I think it's one of the best matches that's happened this year. Unreal. And they have some of the best wrestlers in the world and one of the best companies in the world. I love... I love what they do, but I do not feel like I could do that justice. So if you're listening to this, and God bless you because we're nearly an hour in and you're still listening, and you make a podcast and you care about a promotion, whether it is New Japan or All Elite or WWE or NXT or anything, anything in the world, and you're a fan, please have a critical voice. Please make a podcast. Please do that. For yourselves, because it's so important that as a community we have critiques and fan opinions. I'm in a very um, privileged position that I work in wrestling, and I can never give 
a full and honest critique of certain things. I can give you my opinion on matches and I'll always try and be honest, but because I work within the industry and I work with a lot of people, I don't want to upset anyone. So there is no point me giving a very tame answer and skirting around it when you guys can give a very balanced and fair opinion. And if it's that, then you will be respected for it. And I really encourage you, as long as there is no personal jibes and again, like the theme of this podcast is we always try and keep it positive and it's not trying to be all, you know, bright smiles and gumdrops and all that, but it's we are generally positive about wrestling and I want to keep that vibe. But I also want to be really transparent and honest with my audience and I just do not think I can give a well thought out and balanced opinion on promotions that I don't, unfortunately, don't get to watch enough. Um, but if you guys can do it, do it. And if you know a really good podcast or little videos or anything like that, any reviews and stuff like that, always share them with me because I actually, it's really important. I go through Twitter. I'm like you guys. I go through Twitter and someone recommends something that I like, uh, you know, someone whose opinion I respect or see a gift or something. I go and check it out. I get really excited about that. And so make sure you're like linking me up and stuff because I love that stuff because I surprisingly, and I'm not being paid to say this, but I really love wrestling. So hopefully that kind of covers that a little bit. Um, all right. This is Stephen that's asked me this question. Um, could you build the ultimate wrestler using pieces of wrestlers past and present? Basically a wrestling Frankenstein and not to be played by Kevin Nash. Um, that last bit really makes me chuckle every time because it's probably the first person I would think of to play that. So a, a wrestling Frankenstein made up of past wrestlers, uh, wrestlers past and present. Okay, so let's break this down. Legs, torso, arms, head. Right, legs, Tyler Bate, 100%. Athletic, strong, look wicked in trunks. That's a weird sentence to say. Um, torso, Rick Rude, um, a million abs, can gyrate it, um, um, long, good, <laughs> arms, um, Stan Hansen's arms, so I can lariat people's heads off, uh, and head, I'm going to, to really make the Frankenstein-esque thing, I'm going to pick a luchador, so we've got a mask, uh, I'm going to put, uh, yeah, blue demon's face, that's what I'm going to do. Well, not his actual face, his mask, because we don't know what his face looks like. Um, so, yeah. So, Tyler Bates' legs, Rick Rude's torso, Stan Hansen's arms, and Blue Demon's head slash mask. There you go. Um, Crispy asks, what are your favourite memories of your time at Fight Club Pro? Um, okay, so I have a million. Because <laughs> uh, I'm really fortunate um, to be around that company um, and, and the journey that we went on all together and the Fight Club Pro means the world to me. It really, really does. Um, so I've seen a million things happen in Fight Club Pro that I loved, but probably the ones of most note was the first Dream Tag Team Invitational when we did British Strong Style versus the Elite because that's WWE versus New Japan and I got to introduce that match, which is super fucking cool. Um, so I loved that. I loved introducing Shima and Mochizuki, who are Dragon Gate wrestlers slash Toramon wrestlers, who were my like idols when I was kids, and I never thought I'd get to do that. I've got to introduce Miko Satamora loads of times, which is mental. Um, and I've got to be there with like legitimate world class matches have happened with legitimate world class wrestlers. 
Um, I got to be there for the Chris Brooks, Nixon Newell feud, which was really, I don't want to say groundbreaking because that kind of sounds hammy, but was really way ahead of its time in terms of being an intergender feud, but also that was very physical because they ended up having like a a death match slash hardcore match. Um, That was awesome. But I think the one that always stands out for me the most was Travis Banks, Pete Ng, Pete Dunne for the Fight Club Pro World Championship in fiction. Um because people were legitimately crying and the emotion and the story and the journey that 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 everyone went on to get there really was the start of the modern Fight Club Pro. Trav winning that championship really gave birth and the journey that he went on gave birth to the new slash modern Fight Club Pro. Um, so that's my favourite thing. I absolutely adore Fight Club Pro. They, to me, are my family... Um, and I wouldn't be where I am in wrestling if it wasn't for uh, Martin Zaki and Trent Seven. And I'm in t- I, I will be eternally grateful for everything they did for me. So I just want to say that like a proper love them too, as well as everyone in that family, because it's a really, really, really big family. Um, and thank you so much for giving me the opportunity over the years. Um, Josh asks the question that he always asks, which is, when are you challenging Volta? Never because I'm not an idiot and I don't want my heart chopped out of my chest. Um, What is your favourite role within wrestling, given you've done a lot of them? Asks Peter. Peter, you are correct. I've pretty much done every role in wrestling. I've wrestled, I've refereed, I've ring announced, I've commentated, I've sold merchandise, I've helped promote shows, I've kind of helped book shows, I've kind of helped... um, plan storylines and I've kind of helped write promos as well and the kind of stuff is you know creative input along the ways and none of them jobs have been ones in particular um I think my favorite role is commentary um but it's close between ring announcing so ring announcing gave me absolutely everything I have now including the stuff I do outside of wrestling so my hosting my presenting any form of, of work like that I wouldn't have done if, if I hadn't had ring announcing and learned the job that way I learned you know, I, I don't know ever know what to call myself, but I guess I'm an MC, and I learned how to do that thanks to people like Jim Smallman, Chris Brooker, helping me along the way and giving me their knowledge as well. So I love ring announcing. I, there is no buzz like it. It's the energy when when you are part of that moment where everyone comes up before the main event and you get to introduce people and being in, being able to stand in the ring with some of the best in the world is an absolute honor to me and I'm, ve- I'm a very lucky person but I think commentary is the thing that uh, it's hard to say because I don't want it to come off as arrogant but I think it's the thing I'm best at I'm still learning and I'm still improving and I'm, I'm absolutely not where I want to be with it but I think it's the one that I have the future in hopefully you guys agree with that because I don't really know it's kind of odd sometimes to look at yourself and identify in yourself what you do best but I I think commentary is the one that that I enjoy the most because of how challenging it is and again like I said I I really feel like that's the one that that if I'm going to continue in wrestling if I want another 16 years in wrestling I feel like that's the one that's going to give me another 16 years in wrestling Cool. MJ asks, last year you were set to be involved in a D&D game of Riptide, but it f- I think it fell through. What was planned? So I was going to be involved in a, in a live D&D game at Riptide. We were going to do like a wrestling-based um, Dungeons & Dragons game involving wrestlers Eddie Dennis, Rhea Ripley, and 
someone else who I can't remember for the life of me, which is really bad, um, were going to be involved. I don't actually know what was planned because Adam, who was my 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 co-host at the time for a gaming podcast that we did, actually wrote it all out himself. So it was meant to be a surprise to us, and we were going to have to like kind of react to it at the time. So I actually don't know what was planned, um, and I don't think it's ever going to happen. Not done by me anyway. At any point because I'm an absolute D and D noob, um, but I love it as a as a platform. So what I'll do is I'll give you two recommendations of my favorite D&D content to consume. So this is going a little bit to the video game stuff. Um, I'm sure you're all aware of uh, a video game channel called Outside Xbox or Outside Extra, um, who now do their own live D&D shows. They do it like EGX um, and a few different places and they put their content up on um, YouTube for that, so it's Outside Extra and Outside Xbox that do that. They do an amazing job at it. It's really, 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 really funny. They have a really good Dungeon Master as well, so check that out. Uh, also, as well, um, on the Yogs cast, there's something called High Rollers, which is D and D, who make content. I think they stream on Twitch with it uh, and play along there. But they've done live shows and stuff like that. I actually know Little Norma, who is part of that, because um, we used to work together in the video game industry as is usually the case um and there i really really enjoy their D stuff and this is coming from someone who has no idea about D. so if you're into that sort of like role-playing stuff check out them guys um and who knows someone might get inspired to do their own wrestling uh dungeons and dragons game uh, and do it cool i've got three questions left um i've saved two at the end that kind of tie into each other and kind of hopefully give uh, an overall um, an overall idea about me and where I am in wrestling. But before we get to those two, um, Alan Kay asks, "Who is the your Who is your British wrestling uh, Mount Rushmore?" So it's four people. So ah, right, I'm going to do this without thinking. Big Daddy, Johnny Saint, William Regal, Pete Dunne. Big Daddy, Johnny Saint, William Regal, Pete Dunne. Yes, I feel like that covers every era of British wrestling. That's really annoying because there's people like Robbie Brookside that I would love to put on that, Johnny Kidd, even Finlay. Do we class him as British? Yeah, do we? I don't know. I don't know if we can claim him. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I think they're the four I'm going to go with on that because I don't want to overthink it because uh, the more I overthink it, the bigger that mountain side will get. Um, okay, so the last two questions are asked by Matt and Ryan. Um... So I'm going to do Ryan's first. Um, so Ryan asks me, if you could have one last match, who would it be against and why? So this is a weird question because I don't think a lot of people believe me when I say this, but I have absolutely no desire to wrestle ever again. So Matt's question is, this might be a little personal. How come you stopped wrestling? Question mark injuries. So, okay. I'm blending these two into one. So why did I stop wrestling? And if I could have one more match, who would it be against and why? Right, so I started wrestling, like I said earlier on, when I was 15 years old. I just turned 15, I started training. Um, I got onto shows when I was 16, um, alongside CJ Banks, uh, alongside another wrestler called Danny Hope. Um, and there's people like Joey Hayes, Damon Lee, Sam Bailey around that time as well. Um, so I was on shows from 16 to about 21 and, and the real reason is I got super burnt out with wrestling because when we came in wrestling wasn't the same as it was now and we kind of got 
fast tracked into positions that 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 we weren't ready for. Now, when I say we, um, then those guys I previously mentioned adapt perfectly to that situation. I did not. I got increasingly frustrated with my own lack of ability to execute what I needed to execute. Um, and that's because of uh, the physical side of wrestling. I always feel like my brain's been pretty switched on with when it comes to wrestling. Like I feel like I understand it pretty well and I understand um, how to put matches together, etc., etc., etc. Again, that's not really for me to say, that's for other people to say, but I do feel like I have a, a good understanding of wrestling. But my, my body just was never up to it. I was super skinny back then. I didn't really work out and I, I just had limitations on things that I could do. So I got to 21 and I was just super burnt out with it and and it was just my life. So I had an opportunity to move down south to Reading and so I did. So between 21 and 24 I lived in Reading and I just stopped wrestling. I just walked away from it because it stopped being the main thing in my life and I've told the story in a previous Tuesday Night Chore um, why I came back to wrestling and why I moved back up to Manchester and up north. So when I moved back up, I always wanted to be involved again, but I just knew that I wouldn't be good enough as a wrestler. So Sam Bailey suggested being a ring announcer to me um, and he really fought for me to come into Future Shock and then I came into Future Shock and the rest, as they say, is history. But I think it's important as a performer to really be honest with yourself and I think the one thing I was really fortunate about in that moment of time was I was honest with myself I knew I wasn't going to make it as a wrestler so instead of thinking oh well that's sad and and trying to fuel an ego or something like that I thought oh how can I contribute and I was always confident in talking in front of people and I always felt that I was pretty good at 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 conveying in character so ring announcing was something that, that came relatively natural to me um I still sucked when I first started and I had to get better and even now like in my own head I'm I'm okay you know I'm I'm good enough but uh, you know it, it always feels weird when people compliment me and say you know they like my stuff um so that's kind of why I never I never retired and it and and I just don't have a desire to have one more match because for me, I think what a waste of space I am. Because like, essentially you're putting me in a, a situation where I'm taking away someone's opportunity to have a match. Someone who's far more deserving and more talented than me. So why would I do it? I just don't feel like there is ever a reason for me to do that. Other than to be incredibly self-indulgent. And I think if you've ever interacted with me, you, you probably get a vibe that I'm not very comfortable with being the centre of attention as well I really don't like it I, I struggle with compliments I struggle with um people you know liking my work and liking everything and it's something I'm trying to get better at because I understand I need to um so I I really wouldn't feel comfortable with putting myself back in the center of, uh, of attention as well as because I'd be taking away from someone now I, I get asked a little bit about would I be interested in 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 being a physical part of the storyline. Um, for instance, me and Big Joe did a thing in Future Shock where 
I quote unquote beat him in a match, but it was an angle. It wasn't a wrestling match, and I don't I don't have a problem with that. But again, even then, I have reservations with that because I don't want it to ever be a situation where I have a physical altercation with a wrestler and people think, oh, Matt's going to wrestle again, or this is going to be their match. Um, so I kind of steer away from that as well. Um, and the most important thing about this is, I I don't miss wrestling because I am so happy with what I do now, and I'm so fortunate with what I do now. I I have been so lucky to have the opportunities I have, and I would have never had them opportunities if I continued to live a stupid lie and a, and a fantasy of being a wrestler, because I wasn't a wrestler, I was a cosplayer. I cosplayed as a wrestler. So now I'm not cosplaying as a ring announcer or a commentator. I am a ring announcer and a commentator. And, I'm, and I enjoy my job and I'm really, really happy with my job. So I have really no desire to go back um, back to wrestling. So, yeah, hopefully that kind of clears up that. Because I get asked a lot. And, and it's not that, like, I, don't get me wrong. Like, I know the whole, oh, when you're wrestling Volta is a joke and stuff like that and I I hope that I never come across as rude but I try not to engage in that because I don't want to fuel that in a sense because I think it's super disrespectful to Volta for me to even kind of pretend that's a thing because Volta is one of if not the best wrestlers in the world and I would never want to take away from his ability or his success so if I ever feel if you ever feel like I'm distancing myself from that, hopefully that's a bit of an explanation. Because trust me, this scene does not need me as a wrestler because there is so much talent out there, and I'd rather you all go and watch some of the best wrestlers in the world that are on our doorstep. So there we go. That's it. That's all the questions. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to drop me a message. Um, and if you wish me happy birthday yesterday as well, that's super, super nice. Again, I mentioned I'm super awkward and can't take compliments very well, but I kind of sucked it up yesterday um, and was really, really blown away by how, how nice everyone was. Um, so thank you so much for that. And, and thank you for, for indulging me on this week's episode. So I mentioned that I've already done next week's episode. Um which should go up on a Tuesday, wait. Um, and my guest next week is Michael, the OJMO Oku, who is uh, tearing it up at the minute. He has just had matches with the likes of Volta, Irie, and Pac. Um, he's really killing it in Rev Pro. He's really killing it in Progress, but he's doing amazing work elsewhere um, throughout the country and is really becoming a must-watch wrestler, despite his. Uh, short tenure in wrestling so we had a bit of a sit down it's a little bit shorter than this one um but i feel like it's a little bit more of a deep dive into uh, into wrestling uh, we talk about a lot of like young talent in this country that we love we talk about a lot of promotions we talk about people that you might have not heard of so if 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 you are one of the more casual wrestling fans of this podcast um, make sure you stick around next week and listen to that because it's going to be maybe you're going to pick up some new names and some new promotions that you can go and check out and continue watching a load of wrestling so that's it i'm going to wrap it up now uh, thank you so much for listening uh, and i'll see you next week for our talk with the ojmo cheers hold up 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365 day returns.